0: The nonprofit MBA purpose is to provide new business insights and fresh creative ideas for executive directors and their teams that will help them improve their organization. Here is your host, Stephen Halasnik. Welcome everyone. My name is Stephen Halasnik, and I am co-founder and managing partner of Financing Solutions. Financing Solutions is the leading provider of lines of credit to nonprofits. Our line of pro- credit program is easy, fast, inexpensive, and costs nothing until used, making it a great cash backup plan. If you'd like to learn more about the program, please visit us at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. And if you decide to apply today, we will even give you a $250 credit on file that you can use at a later time. Or feel free to give us a call at 862 862- Today, I am excited to be speaking with Deborah Reedy from Reedy Associates. And today's podcast is how to manage and lead your nonprofit employees. I'm excited about today's uh, podcast and this topic because it's something that I have always struggled with until I kind of worked with a coach um, I worked with, you know, I just read a lot about it. So I'm excited to hear what Deborah has to say about how to manage and lead your your employees better. So Deborah, welcome to today's nonprofit MBA podcast.
1: Thank you, Stephen.
0: So you know, let's start off by 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 just telling us a little bit about your background, you know, and and a little bit why and how you kinda, you know, uh got involved with even talking about the subject matter about managing and leading. Um, so tell us a little bit about your
1: history. Oh, that's, thank you so much. So there's a, a really good story and I just have to be careful not to go on too long on this story. Um, back many, many years ago. So I've been, I've been actually working for 40 years in and with the nonprofit community. And my um, first significant leadership opportunity came when I was 24 years old and I was invited to, uh, to found a residential agency for people with severe disabilities who were living in a state institution near, near me. Um, 24 years old, I'd never been in a significant leadership role before and I was given a quarter of a million dollars and, um, and amazing support from the funding agency to create this organization. And so it really was trial by fire, and I had no real formal background as a leader. I had very little experience as a leader, and I had this incredible responsibility to create this organization from scratch that would serve people. Um, Along the way, I was really lucky to have many, many people, including many people that Uh, your readers might recognize or your listeners might recognize as uh, sort of bright spots of people in various nonprofit industries to serve as mentors and to help me in my leadership development. So I really got very interested in leadership development and what it took not only to be a leader oneself, but to also really help other people grow and develop as leaders And kind of my interest in that area blossomed. So I've been working, as I said, in something around 40 years as a leader. Um, uh, Over 10 years ago, I got certified as a coach. I've been a consultant and a trainer and a board member with many nonprofit organizations. In addition to working in nonprofits, I also have a lot of experience in other industries, including government, aerospace, manufacturing, education, and healthcare, just to name a few. Um, My my career started in the nonprofit arena, but there was a point in time where I felt like I needed to broaden my horizons and and learn more uh, from people working in other industries. So I made a conscious choice to really broaden my experience base and then have subsequently brought that back to where my first love is which is working with people who are engaged in nonprofit activities.
0: Yeah. You know, uh, when I look, I I don't know if you feel the same way, but when I look back in my twenties, when I was managing or leading um, my late twenties for me, um, I cringe (laughs) at some of the things (laughs) I did. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's, it was really bad. And, you know, I, you know, you know, I really tried hard later on to get better at at being able to manage and lead lead people. Did yeah. Did you feel the same way?
1: Oh gosh. Well, you know, it's funny you should say that because I I don't tend to dwell on that time, but I could probably spend the next forty five minutes at least sharing some of those stories. Um, I'll, I'll just share a couple uh, real quick. Um, one was that um, I was regularly in a position where I was having to hire people who were much older than me and then to supervise them. And um, not everyone who wanted to work in a nonprofit organization wanted to be supervised by a 24 year old. Um, And so that presented many different challenges in terms of establishing credibility and um, making sure that we had an agreement about the kind of working relationship. Um, I also sometimes had to call in my mentors um, when I was going to be meeting with families of some of the people that we were going to serve, because not only was I only twenty four but I looked like I was about eighteen and again, uh credibility was a big issue initially um, and i didn 't really um i didn 't have the sophistication to recognize at the time that you couldn 't dress like a hippie and think that you were going to be taken seriously by people who were older and you know kind of looking to put their kids lives in your hands. So that was one of my most, um, big lessons is, you know, you have to dress the part if you want to be taken seriously.
0: Yeah. You know, the thing that I learned too, I mean, I'll just add to what you're talking about. I mean, I brought on a coach, you know, and I know that's what you do, um, for a living. Now you help other nonprofits, uh, become better, you know, leaders and managers, but, um, you know, but, I, I would say this book I bought made a big difference and it was called well done W you know, like a whale. And, um, and it was, it was a book about how they train a whale and, um, you know, and what, and what it, the whole book was about, like, you can't hit a whale with a stick. Like Uh you have to uh, use positive reinforcement. And once I made that switch from Negative comments or negative feedback to being looking for the positive that made a huge difference in how I uh, managed and and worked with the people that I worked with. So, you know, I I think uh, I think and I, I Deborah, I, I'm sure you would agree that being a better leader and being a better manager, um, you can learn and you can improve
1: you know uh, you're absolutely right and and actually I'd like to pick up on the the point you made about positivity um because I was thinking about the challenges of um leading nonprofit organizations and I know your 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 listeners are often uh leaders of non nonpro- small nonprofits so the challenges are are maybe even more extreme and you know the the people that listen to this podcast are Are up against the reality that the work is hard, um, no matter what, you know, what your actual business in is, it it almost never pays well. And especially with smaller nonprofits. And a lot of the nonprofits that I've been affiliated with either have trouble recruiting staff or they have high turnover or both. And one of the consequences of that, of course, and I have coaching clients right now that are that are dealing with this challenge is that people in manager and leader roles end up, you know, kind of doing the direct work because the work has to get done and they aren't always in a position where they're uh, focused on the big picture and leading. So I was thinking this morning, I was thinking, okay, if that's some of what I know people are up against, what are some of the things that you can offer Um because compensation and benefits is everybody who listens to this knows are rarely the thing that draws people to work in a nonprofit arena. And positivity was one of the really key things. Um, you know, a lot of organizations I'm familiar with really struggle with people who get kind of stuck in a negativity cycle, uh, which kind of feeds on itself, you know, and I like to use the example of standing in the, um, well, we're not doing this anymore, but when we used to go in to the registry of motor vehicles, and we'd stand in line, and then somebody would start complaining about how long they'd been waiting, and then <laughs> you find yourself crossing your arms and tapping your foot in impatience. And before you know it, the whole line was just bristling with negativity. And, and that happens in organizations. I see that happen all the time. And I actually get brought in to help deal with kind of core negative attitudes that seem to have pervaded the culture. And the, the biggest antidote, I mean, there's, there's a a bunch of them, but the biggest one is to focus on spreading positivity. And, and actually there's this really great study about um, the fact that happiness spreads through social networks, like emotional contagion. So Just like the line at the um, Registry of Motor Vehicles where negativity spreads, happiness is actually even more potent. And um, the research shows that when one individual becomes happy, the network effect can be measured like out three people. So if if I'm happy, then my friend is happy and my friend's friend and friend's friend's friends. And this is the really key thing. The, The effect can last up to one year. I mean, I, I just find that mind-boggling. Um, and so it's a great counter to the negativity that's often part of what doing hard work can be.
0: Yeah, and let's, let's be clear here. Um, studies o- have always shown, and it has been my experience, and maybe Deborah for you too, is that high turnover in any organization, regardless if it's a nonprofit or it's a business, is uh, usually attributed to uh, management. So it's usually attributed to management style. And it's not, uh, uh, studies have shown attributed to uh, compensation um, and, and also not attributed to any businesses or nonprofits mission. So you can greatly reduce turnover by um, improving management management's style and how you treat people. Uh, would you agree yes. with that?
1: Absolutely. And, and I would also reinforce that there's been a huge amount of research. The Gallup polls on uh, work-life quality, one of the biggest things that people say is that my direct supervisor has a bigger impact on my quality of experience in work and engagement in work than any other f- factor. And so I, I totally agree with you. And, you know, I was also thinking about, you know, some of the other things that I've seen uh, nonprofits that have good um, stability and high engagement that I've seen them do. Um, and, and one of them has to do with the leaders seeing themselves as role models and a- examples for the people that are in, on their team. And, and there's a lot of folks that I coach who, um, you know, they've recently gotten promoted and they're they're really competent managers, but they haven't wrapped their they haven't wrapped their minds around the fact that everybody that they come in contact with is looking to them for guidance, energy, setting the tone, and that you know, if they come to work and they're feeling negative or they're in a bad mood or they're frustrated then they're impacting on people in a way that far exceeds what um, it, it, the impact that they had when they were uh, just in a managerial role. So I think being a role model and really seeing yourself and consciously orienting yourself as a role model is another really positive thing that counters um, some of the dynamics that nonprofits have to deal with.
0: Well, I mean, having heard you say that, you know doesn't it seem almost impossible for you when you were twenty four years old to be successful at that yeah. position yeah it's a lot to ask right yeah. I, yeah I mean it's it's challenging um so so let's let's do this let's um let's talk about three maybe actionable items. Um, that you uh, for, that you see from experience and from your coaching yes. three actionable items that can help someone become let's just talk about do you would you think we should focus on three actionable items for leadership or three actionable items for being a better manager?
1: Um, I think that there's a lot of overlap um, and that you know my view about leadership is that it's not really, Um, you can be in any position, you can be in a management position, a supervisory position, or have no people report to you. And you can be exercising leadership. So, so maybe we'll sort of orient ourselves toward broad leadership actions that could be taken, no matter what role you're in. Um, The two things that we already talked about positivity and be a role model, don't require having a formal position. Um, You can you know, come to work and be very, very positive and engaged, no matter what kind of position you're in. And you can also be a role model or or not. So so yeah. Um and, and so I feel like you know there's two I don't know how actionable. They're more attitudinal, but the attitudinal um sort of shift then leads to action. Um if I'm gonna focus on some other concrete actions, um one of the things that I would say is um, communicating the value of your organization's mission, purpose, and vision. And, and not it, it, to me, it's not enough to just have it on screen savers and in fundraising letters. Uh, you really need to connect it when you're in a leadership role regularly to what it is people are doing on the ground. Um, through acknowledgement, You know, letting people know what they're doing well Um, by being explicit about the behaviors and the values that they're demonstrating that connect to the mission and the vision of the organization. And I'll I'll give you an example. Um, Well, actually there's a a good example, a real positive example. Um, This organization that I work with does um, direct mail marketing for nonprofit organizations, both national and smaller organizations. And one of the things that they've been doing for quite some time is a, a weekly report that highlights and showcases the the behavior or the accomplishment of an individual or a team working in that organization. And they make it very public, and um, and they call it out in in direct relationship to the mission and the values of the organization. So it's not just a kind of general success story; it's really directly tied to the vision and the values of the organization. And this is distributed to all employees on a weekly basis. They accept nominations from other employees for for peers. Um, Now that's a formal and explicit process, but you can do that kind of acknowledgement more informally by highlighting somebody's performance in a staff meeting, for example, and commenting on what they did well and why it relates to the purpose of the organization. So that's one. Um, Let me stop and see, you know, you probably have some other thoughts to, to kind of add to that, but um, you know, I can come up with a few more um, in a minute.
0: That's nice of you to ask me. (laughs) Um, You know, (laughs) I'll tell you a story. I was, um, I started my career 30 years ago working for Xerox corporation, which was, uh, a great company. They were very socially conscious and, um, and they, uh, they did an incredible job of bringing, um, their employees into their mission, purpose, and vision. So, um, uh, the CEO at the time, you know, when you went into your performance review, you would, you, they would ask you, you know, uh, you know, how did you contribute? What were you doing toward your Toward the company's mission, purpose, and vision, and and the other thing that they would do is when you were in your meetings, they would make sure that people could um, could articulate and recite what our mission, purpose, and vision was as a company, and and then what they would do is in in your performance reviews or your your meeting with your managers, you would then share with with uh, your manager and in writing what your personal mission purpose and vision was. Um, And, and what I learned over, you know, over the next 25 years is to just make sure that every, every, all my employees, all my managers, everybody at the company were, were reminded and, and understood what our mission purpose and vision was. Um, because you know it, it it galvanizes and brings everybody um on the same page and let me tell you something i i mean i work with nonprofits uh you know uh we provide lines of credit to them they're our number one clients but we have, we also work with small business uh, as well and so i get to speak to executive directors and i also get to speak with business owners and um it is much easier to uh to get everybody on board for a nonprofit's mission, purpose, and vision than it is to bring people on board for a company vision, purpose, and vision. I mean, it's built-in enthusiasm because you're, you know, if you're hiring um, people, I hope you're explaining to them what your mission, purpose, and vision is so that they can opt out before they actually even take the job.
1: Yeah, that's really well, yeah, that's a really good point because, you know, that I was gonna say, you know, it's really helpful to match people with their passion. And if you're hiring people, you know, who aren't passionate about whatever it is that you're doing, then it's really gonna be hard to light a fire under them. So that's really an important point.
0: Yeah, and I think you gotta you know, you start off there, but then you have to keep reinforcing and reminding, you know, everyone, Hey, this is our mission. This is our purpose. Um, you know, this is our vision, you know, this is our culture. I'll add culture to that as well. Yes, yes. Um, you know, having a defined culture, like for an example, one of the things that I always, um, like looking for in our culture and for the people we hire is a passion for people who love to learn. It's, yes. um, you know, it's just, it's just, you know, I don't want people here that don't want to improve. And, um, and so that's one of our cultures, but, you know, I would add that to the mission, purpose, vision, and culture that you should define what your culture is. And um, because what happens is you'll tend to get like-minded people. And if you have like-minded people, then, the positivity that we talked about being so important is uh, will come out so much easier. So uh, Deborah, would, would you add to that?
1: Um, Well, I, a couple of things. I mean, I could go in a lot of directions, but one of the things that I'm really reflecting on is, um, you know, I've been in situations where I've hired a lot of people and um, what I've discovered, which is, it's not rocket science, but it's really important is that, you really want to be clear about what you can train for and what, you know, what qualities you want somebody to have coming in. And and there are certain things like the love of learning that, you know, you could train somebody until you're blue in the face and they are too. And if that's not in their makeup, it's going to be really hard to, to turn the switch. It's not impossible. You know, I mean, there's something called a growth mindset and, you can help instill those mindsets in people, but it's going to be a more of an uphill battle than if you're really clear about your culture and the kind of people that will be able to uphold that culture because culture is really how you behave, right? You know, it's not this magic rockets, you know, mysterious thing. It's, it's how everybody behaves together that accumulates to be an organization's culture so the what better way than to recruit people who already have the elements um, to come into your organization
0: yeah so i think i added a fourth one now after hearing it speak i mean we started off with positivity and then we said role model behavior then we said communicating mission purpose vision culture and i think the fourth one would be you know hiring right yeah. and i i don't know if i like the word right but you know hiring people who, who fit the culture that you have, or that you want to have,
1: mm-hmm. and um, I, you know what's I, tricky about that is that um, you know there's also the other side of it, which is the the impact of unconscious bias. And so, what you're not saying is hiring people that that are all like me, you know, because that has its own problems. But you're saying hiring people that are going to. Extend the organizational culture in a really positive, meaningful way. I think.
0: Yeah, I think the key is you need to identify the culture that you have in your com- company, if you like it, or the one that you want. Right. Um, that that you know, I read a really good book that really helped me, and it said when you're when you're interviewing people, try not to make any judgment at all for fifteen minutes. Just listen. And mm-hmm. if you can try if you can try to not make any judgment for fifteen minutes um you'll make better hires and I felt like when when I started doing that um it 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 helped a lot, and I think that's maybe great. that's got, yeah that's got maybe it's got to do with the bias yeah you know I, yeah and i I think the listen, I don't think there's a one magic bullet to um you know, how how do you hire right? I think you, I think you, you have to break it down. You know, I think you have to take it apart and, you know, make sure you have good job descriptions, make sure you have good culture. I mean, what else do you think, uh, Deborah, is the, you know, a good way to improve your hiring? Um, well, so,
1: I had a couple of other thoughts uh you know going back to your you know three actionable things um and I think what I'd like to do is maybe tie together the question you just asked with one of my other thoughts and then maybe add the final one kind of as as its own thing is it okay. is that okay
0: Of course yeah
1: um so so I think that whatever your whatever your organization, your nonprofit is in the business to do, um, you know, again, we t- we talked about the draw for most people and for getting the most out of people is rarely compensation and benefits. And so when you're trying to hire people, uh, what you want to be doing is emphasizing the value of the work and the meaningful nature of the work. Wow. And, that's
0: great. Yeah. yeah
1: um, because people are gonna be attracted to wanting to do something that they find meaningful. And then once you hire people, then you want to be continuing to emphasize that value, um, you know, even as the work gets hard. Um, and I have, I have a, a little example. Um, I'm working with a lot of folks who are w- running the disability services in Massachusetts and one of the things that's happened with covid is that people that are in they call them service coordinator roles but they're sort of like social workers and they work with families and people that are receiving services that a lot of the day-to-day interactions that they had previously in their role have been put on had been put on hold and much of what they were doing had to do with keeping up with paperwork and reporting and things that probably weren't the thing that attracted them to the work. Um, and we, we were seeing, or now we were talking about the waning engagement that the people in these roles were demonstrating. Now that they're actually having a chance to get, get back and meet people and go and visit people in their homes, still a while social distancing, um, the enthusiasm seems to be rising. Um, And so, you know, that really, that really drove home for me, the importance of emphasizing the meaningful aspects of the work, even when it's really hard.
0: Yeah, you know, it's, um, you're so right. And, you know, you can tie that emphasizing the value of work into positivity. So if you like, for example, is, let's say you have this nonprofit that is, that's helping, um, Disabled um, um, people, and you see that one of your employees went the extra distance to help somebody. They worked extra hours to help somebody. You know, if if you um, can point that out and letting them know, you know how that uh, that extra effort that they put in, you know, after hours. Uh, affected that person's life and how proud you are of them of that, man. That makes that person that, that employee feel like they have the best job in the world.
1: Yeah, that's that's great. And and I want to build on that, which is, um, you know, this kind of actionable. So so there's one thing to acknowledge um, people for doing something right, and that's that is important and uh, really makes a big difference. If you're trying to reinforce the culture and the values of the organization, you want to be really explicit about what exactly they did that you're acknowledging. And like you said, about the impact of what they did on the organization's broader purpose. And, you know, it it sounds like a big thing, but it's actually how you construct the acknowledgement is slightly different than just saying, good job, Stephen, for hosting this great podcast. Um, I might say I I I appreciate so much that you hosted this great podcast because you do such a good job of connecting to the people that are listening in a way that helps them get better at running their nonprofit organizations effectively.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think also like when I gave that example, I think one of the things I value a lot and and I think it comes off a lot and is I really I really value people who put extra work into their jobs and really care about their jobs. Right. And, you know, so my example, you know, was, was rewarding somebody because they came in and they stayed after hours to yeah. get something, which is something that I really, you know, in, intuitively value in, in not only just work, but personally I appreciate hard work. So, and you uh, also
1: highlighted the impact on the people receiving services. So you did all three parts of that acknowledgement. You know, per- I mean, just the way I would do it.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. So it only took me, you know, like eight books and a coach and a psychologist to improve <laughs> my management skills. And I'm and I'm not exaggerating. I mean, it was. Um, you know, I actually had to bring on a psychologist. Um, because I felt so bad about sometimes how I interacted with my staff and, yeah. uh, it was a long, long time ago. And yeah. you know what, uh, I think we can maybe, uh, I'll just add one too. And I think it, I had another podcast cause I do, an, I do two podcasts, one for the nonprofit MBA podcasts, but I also do another one called the entrepreneur, uh, uh, MBA podcast for business owners. And I had a great guest on there who talked this about the same topic, and um, I often thought that I could post it, you know, to both sides. But um, but what she said too is a good manager and a good leader um, manages their own emotions really well. Yes, and um, you know that's something that I struggled with, and still, you know. I'm a much better manager, but I'm never going to be a great manager. But, you know, the psychologist what she helped me understand was that when I get angry, um I lose my ability to think yes. um constructively. And so when so what I learned from that um was that when I feel I'm getting angry with somebody that um I need to give myself space. So a lot of times I'll say, um, let me think about what you've said. And, and then I come back later and talk to them about it because it gives me a chance because if I feel that I'm getting angry, that that stops me from going there. And that's uh, really
1: smart. That is really smart. And, you know, I do whole workshops on, um, emotional regulation and leadership and, the impact that emotion has on your ability to be an effective leader. And it's interesting because, you know, I've I've done a pretty deep dive into studying neuroscience and the impact of um, the way our brain works on how we lead and how we deal with people and how we learn. And um, when, when I first learned what you were just saying, you know, the fact that the more um, especially the more triggered you are, the less, Your higher reasoning powers are operating, and I learned, you know, why that's the case from a from a a physiological perspective. It puts so many things in perspective, and it became such a more of an important topic to bring in. If you're going to talk to people about effective communication or supervision or, you know, mediation or or anything that is likely to have strong emotion associated with it.
0: Yeah, and you know, especially with nonprofit leaders, because nonprofit leaders, they're usually extremely passionate about the um, mission, purpose, vision uh, of of the of what they're trying to do. They're really passionate about that, and that passion, although it can be very contagious, it can also sometimes be a very hot emotion. I, I don't know if that's the right word that can really, you know, steamroll other <laughs> yeah. people's you know, yep. emotions. And yes. so, I, you know, I think, I think as leaders that, I mean, you can't accomplish the impossible by not being passionate about the subject matter. I mean, that's what makes you so good at it, but it also has the opposite effect of making you a good manager
1: yeah yeah and i think it's you know using that passion and harnessing that passion to to build momentum in a good direction is really what you know the the leaders that are um on i would call a leadership development journey are are really trying to master um you don't you don't get rid of the passion you just channel it in a way that is constructive and is infectious the positive parts are infectious and not the not that strong, hot emotion that you're, that you're describing.
0: Yeah. Well, it's good stuff. And, um, you know, I think unfortunately we're kind of running out of time here. I think we could talk about the subject matter so much, <laughs> but yeah, right. And, uh, but let's do a summation here. So we talked about really six key things today, um, for becoming a better leader and manager. First one is positivity. Uh, second one was role model behavior, Third one was communicating mission, purpose, vision, culture. Um, fourth one, um, you know, I'll use the word hiring right. Um, unfortunately, we didn't get the time to talk about what you do when you've already made a bad hire. But um, <laughs> right. you know, that's a different subject, and I'm sure that's on a lot of people's mind. Oh yeah. um, number five, and then maybe that's why they bring on uh, Deborah as a coach to, to help. <laughs> they do.
1: That. There <laughs> yeah. you
0: go. Uh, number five is emphasizing the value of work, which I I didn't think of that one, and I think Deborah, you you boy, did you hit the nail on the head with that one? And number six is you know managing your own emotions. Um, so you know these are all really six great actionable items. And and Deborah, I think you would agree that you know you can't you know conquer Rome in a day. That you got to like maybe just work on one of these things and uh you know perf- get a good and then move on to another one is is, is that what you would would you would think as well
1: well i would also say um give yourself some slack and um and really adopt as you were saying a learning mindset um because uh, as you said you know leadership is a work in progress you know i i've i've spent 40 years being in this territory and i could you know spend the next Forty forty years talking to you about the mistakes that I've made, but I I've learned from them and I I've, I've grown, and I think that's focusing on growing and and learning is really key.
0: Yeah, and I I find like either taking a course or 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 reading a book about the subject, it allows you to really f- you know keep your mind. On the subject, and you know, and I find that I every single time I do something like that, I improve my skill mm-hmm. set. So, yeah. um, uh, you know, uh, I I would really like to thank Deborah uh, from Reedy Associates for coming on the podcast today. Um, if you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend, and also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. If you like today's podcast, um, please give us a review um, on your podcasting app to help us get the word out. And of course, if you're looking for a line of credit for your nonprofit, you can call us at 862-207-4118 or visit our website at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. Deborah, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, how would they reach you?
1: Uh, they can reach me at www.reedyassociates, it's R E I D Y, associates, plural, dot org. Um, And my email is deborah at reedyassociates dot org.
0: Great. Well, listen, thank you so much for coming on.
1: Thank you. It was my pleasure, and I had a wonderful conversation with you, Stephen.
0: And to our listeners out there, Um, I can't think of anything that we need more in this world than positive people and positive managers and leaders. And I just want to thank all of you for making the world a better place.